Hi, and welcome to Under an Open Heaven podcast. We are glad you are joining us as we explore the reality of God's love expressed in Scripture and our own personal experiences. Thanks for joining us today as we explore the reality that we live under an open heaven. Enjoy! Hey, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Arthur Richardson, and I've got with me... Colton Jones, as always. And you are listening to Under an Open Heaven podcast. Oh, yeah. So we're going to get dive right into it um, because we're kind of excited about this one. Uh, Colton. Yes. What are, what are your thoughts on what it means to be human? My thoughts are... There's a lot of them, Arthur. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a lot of them. I know. How do, how do you want to go about it? Uh, let's focus on one aspect of it. Do you want to focus on... Uh, I kind of want to focus on... So there, as humans, we have one nature, but kind of two aspects to our nature. All right. Two orders to our nature. Okay. And this kind of stems, I think, from creation itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, creation has two aspects. You have a physical and a spiritual aspect. Okay. Uh, I, I kind of considered this earlier this year, and I really wanted to write it out in a ordered fashion a so grand i just, thesis huh a grand thesis it might be one day man if i ever to get, <laughs> get a degree in theology or philosophy i might try to tackle this but um i i kind of started out saying like nature itself has two different orders to it a spiritual order and a physical order mm-hmm. and uh as humans we are sort of the amalgamation of both mm-hmm. uh the we have a spiritual nature and we have a physical nature now there are other things that have spiritual natures, like animals have animating souls yep. uh, and things like that. But we have an intellect. We have what we describe as a rational soul, according to Aristotle, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, I've, I've talked about that a couple of different times uh, with some people. But I would say, first and foremost, we are spiritual and physical. So, I mean, for the sake of broad spectrum sort of blanket statements okay we are physical and we are spirituals spiritually we're um finite Mm -hmm. so that's one thing so there's the infinite spiritual which we might refer to as god then there's the finite spiritual which we would refer to as beings beings such as angels or humans like little b beings so there's the great there's the big b being which is god yeah does it buzz is it coffee what is it no the big being big b being uh okay that was not the joke i was going for i I, I know but you know know. like a bumblebee i know but that's actually that's actually hysterical yeah i I told you i'd probably just like go down like the rabbit hole of my thoughts because i i had written a lot of this out prior uh like a couple months ago and i'm trying to remember it all so that's i'll just answer your question say that's how i would define the human being as um I would say the height of physical nature or, uh, yeah, yeah, physical nature meeting with spiritual nature. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Sweet. So I would define being human in the sense of the capacity to be both physical, yet I guess the term of Aristotle, have our eyes fixed on the stars, the Mm -hmm. ability to look at the stars. And what he meant by that is the ability to perceive things that are above us. So, in other words, what he meant was the divine. Mm. 
the stars for the Greeks at that time meant a lot more than they kind of do for us. I mean, for us, they're balls of gas burning billions of miles away. Basically, what I'm trying to say here is that human beings have the ability to perceive what is divine. I've heard people argue with me that humans are just animals, that we don't have a soul, we don't have a ration, like our rationale is just maybe a, a tad bit greater than some other animal, but monkeys have societies, that dolphins have societies, and they communicate with one another, you know, whales have their own thing, you know, like all these different animals, these different pack animals in particular, have their own form of society, like ants, ants even do, you know, you know, this, this question was raised, but what the, what the question that we have is like in all of our years of observing these creatures, have any of them ever actually entered into worship? Not just not just us like talking in the Psalms about how every creature will bow down and praise, but like actual worship and self-sacrificing and like praising of God or a divine. Like that's, that's the question. Mm -hmm. So it does kind of beg to that, that question of like, what is the difference if I don't worship? If I don't have my eyes fixed on what is divine, but only of what is earthly mm -hmm. and material. Ooh. What, yeah. What I got around to, because I asked the same question. Okay. So to distinguish humans from animals, because mm -hmm. there are a lot of similarities. We both have souls. Yep. Maybe the quality of our souls is different. Uh, we both have bodies, and of course, the quality of our bodies is different. Mm -hmm. um, so we are distinct in those ways. But what can you say is a definitive? And this is kind of what I ask myself: what What could I say is a definitive thing that makes us distinct from animals? And I said, or at least what I came to is, it's our ability to willingly contradict our nature. Mm -hmm. I would say that is in itself the image of God because God too possesses that ability yeah. to contradict his nature. Right. Now well, we have to be careful with that. And I've heard this argument because mm -hmm. I've, I've used that one as well. Um, that's a, that's a good like apologetics uh, way about going about it. The retort that I've heard from a lot of these materialistic minded people is that you do see dogs or like whatever, like sacrificing their life in order to save somebody in like this rushing river or whatever. You do find these instances where creatures will be found doing sacrificial things. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I do want to push back on that. And like, that's not exactly what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like doing a sacrifice for the betterment of the pack isn't necessarily what we're talking about. Right. So... Pure well, pure instinct or self-survival isn't what I would call someone's nature. Right. And I, I just want to clarify that. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about is like the ability to see, okay, this is not a moral decision. I'm choosing not to. And it kind of goes against instinct nature. It goes against um, whatever. And what I, I guess what I'm thinking of is like... Um, We'll use food because I feel like that's a safe example, right? Um, 
it's in my nature to eat daily, multiple times a day. It is. It's out of like survival. I get hungry. I want food. Well, if I feel a prompting by the divine to maybe withhold from food in order that I might grow closer to him or acknowledge my lack or even just like for my overall health and benefit, like I need to hold off. I have that rationale, that that capacity to one, listen to something that's greater than I, to see something that's greater than my immediate needs and to have a greater view of, you know, the world at work. And I think that's what you're getting at, right? A little, but when I talked about, or when I was thinking about nature, I was thinking about it in terms of like um, the raw sense of human nature. Mm. What were we created to be initially, you know? And why, why is it that we have the ability to contradict our nature and maybe animals do not? Uh, and why does God have the ability to contradict his nature? And what does that even mean for God to contradict his nature? It's what I came to, uh, that, that free will, maybe, maybe free will is the image of God and free will is the ability to contradict our nature, mm-hmm. to become what we are not, uh, so to speak. And why God can do that, but doesn't do that. And it comes down to uh, external influences. Hmm. Uh, but, he did do that. So, huh? but he did do that. He contradicted his nature? Yeah. In what way? When Jesus came to earth. That isn't to contradict his nature. I mean, I, I would say it's, it's paradoxical that we perceive God as physical, Whereas before we only perceived him to be a purely spiritual being. Although there were times when, you know, like Jacob wrestled with an angel or God, it isn't very clear. Um, But I would say all things that exist are in God um, in as much as they're held in being by him. So for him to take on the identity of a discrete object isn't to contradict his nature, but to just give us a different angle at it. A different way of perceiving his nature. I would say it's inclusive in his nature, but doesn't contradict it. But it's almost perceived as a, uh, um, as as contradicting, like a paradox. Okay. I don't know. That's what I would say. But um, becoming mortal—that's what I would say—would be more of a contest uh, to the divine nature, because yeah, God that's is what I meant. Like the oh, divine okay. took on. Mortality. Mortality, yeah. Like the divine died. Right. Eternal life died. Yeah. You know? So this is where we can actually get into more like the Christology and maybe also like a little bit more of like what does it mean to die? Because to die die isn't to simply not exist. Separation. Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, we can talk about why death is antithetical to human nature and why... Death seems to us to be something just fundamentally wrong, bad. Even though it's something we've lived with as a species since the dawn forever. The dawn of time. Forever. I mean, there's death everywhere in nature, not mm-hmm. just life. Uh, so why are we so disturbed by it? So mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's not so much to go at it at a logical way, but maybe an intuitive way. Um, so if you want to kind of, if you feel the need to expound on that, why do you think that death is itself so messed up to us? Because there is a aspect of us. And this is kind of like where having a good view of Jesus gives us a good view of us, both divine, completely divine, and completely human. If we can grasp that, we can have a better ability to grasp the fact that we are fully spiritual and fully mortal, fully human. Um, it gives us a, a place to kind of understand ourselves in a lesser extent in the mirror image of Jesus. So we were made for community with God. Mm -hmm. God cannot die. God is immortal, everlasting, all good and all powerful. So in the face of death, we have to come to this weird paradox of dealing with there being an end when we are supposed to be in communion with God, who is never-ending. We have to come face-to-face -face with the problem that something bad happened and it wasn't prevented because we are in community with a God who is all-powerful mm. and all-good. Mm -hmm. And we have to deal with what we now lack. And we're supposed to be in communion with a God who provides everything and is a good father. So in the face of death, we have to deal with a break in, or at least a perceived break in communion with God. At least on face value. So I would say that's why death is so hard for us is because it kind of goes against all of our in intuitive instincts with our communion with God. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. So in terms of death and how it affects the two aspects of our nature, the physical and the spiritual, like spiritually, we are meant to be in community with each other mm -hmm. in communion with each other. And physically, our souls and our body are not supposed to be rent from each other. Yep. So there's two terrible things that are happening. One, you are no longer available to the community. Yep. You're rent, you're, you're rent from the community. And not only that, your body's still present, but your soul is not. Mm -hmm. there, is, there is this quality of a person. And if you've ever been at a funeral and, the, you know... It, it was an open casket and you were able to look at maybe the, the relative, the loved one, uh, th their body in the casket. You, in looking at it, you feel something yeah. that you didn't quite feel when you looked at them when they were alive. Like it was almost like I'm looking at this person or at least their, their, their body and there's something gone. Just, yep. It's just wrong. Yeah. I mean, my brain, I feel like this happens every time I'm at a funeral with an open casket. My brain wants to see that person's chest go up and down mm -hmm. so bad that sometimes I do, you know? Mm -hmm. And like when I was little, 
when I was little, I did see, you know, like their, their chest go up and down a couple of times, you know, like it was like some of my, early, some of my earlier memories of being at a funeral. It was like super disturbing. Cause I like was starting to comprehend what death was, but yeah, I thought I still saw life in them, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it was, and my point being is that there was just, it's such a rip in humanity, you know, mm-hmm. both in the community and both within the human person. Yeah. So I think we can deduce maybe through inductive reasoning, what it means to be human by clearly pointing out the times when we know there's something wrong mm-hmm. with maybe how we're acting or maybe with the things that happen to us like death. Yeah. We know that death is wrong instinctively, intuitively, not just because we have this desire to live and to you know perpetuate the community, the, the group, the tribe. But there's, uh, there's something a little bit deeper than that. Uh, then, of course, then there's the, the universal sense of ethics, sense of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have a bunch of different theories regarding that. Uh, stemming throughout all of time as long as people have thought we've tried to pin down what it means to do the good what it means to be right so we have this ethical nature to us the ability to recognize uh what human what humanity is when it is flourishing you know because generally that's what we consider to be good is what makes us flourish what makes us uh good so in the context of the faith um I think it's worth it if we kind of turn turn the steering wheel back towards the faith, what it means for us to be human in regards to our faith, in respect to God, and now to God who became man. Mm-hmm. So uh, what kind of thoughts do you have on the incarnation? Uh, God uh, assuming human nature. Yeah. So the amazing thing that happened when God assumed human nature is that God also assumed the ability to die. And he did. But then he didn't just stay dead, right? He rose from the dead. He arose, resurrected, where his soul, his spirit, rejoined with his body in a glorified manner. But his wounds still were there glorified Mm -hmm. and there's something promised in that that this ripping apart of the body and the soul will only last a, a short period of time for Jesus it was three days and it was a promise that though it might seem like a long time Three days in, in, in the agony of missing someone feels like an eternity. But the reality is that time continues to press on, that, that it won't be forever. That my, that my loved ones who die will not be departed from me from their bodies forever. 
it's a fulfillment of the promise and it's a fulfillment of the fact that I am made for community with God and with my fellow person and that death will not have the final word that Jesus' resurrection does. And it, it writes that wrong. So, yeah, I mean, like that's, in this context, I mean, the incarnation means so much. But in this context of what we're talking about, of the, the, the soul and the body, the, the spirit and the body, and it being ripped apart through death, I would say that's what that means. All right. So although this is a pretty short podcast and uh, Arthur and I, man, there's so much more we could talk about with this particular subject. Subject, but um, We'll save it for later. We'll save it for later. So your challenge this week is to pray for someone maybe you know, maybe you know of, who passed away. Uh, as an affirmation that their soul exists and also pray for that day when our souls and our bodies are going to be reunited in the resurrection. So uh, yeah, pray in for, for, for God's mercy on their soul that they might see his, his love and his grace and be joined with him in heaven. Uh, so that's your challenge for me. You got a prayer for us, Arthur? Yeah. Come Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, just as Jesus saw you calling Lazarus out of the tomb, and just as Jesus rose from the dead, breaking open the tombs of your saints, Lord, we ask you to give us faith and hope that this will be done, to give us faith and hope that Resurrections are, are possible. <sighs> Give us faith that death does not have the final word. In our lives, in our families' lives, and those that we meet, death does not have the final word. Rather, Jesus, speak your peace into our hearts. Just as you approached your apostles and said, peace be with you, say that to our hearts that we might relinquish our, our grip of fear on death and just trust in you again, to love you again, and to not be offended by what seems like an affront to our bond to you. Rather, a point of healing and a point of growth. Jesus, we praise you. We thank you that you have done good things for us and that you will continue to do good things for us. For you are good. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful week. 
Have a great day and God bless. Bye. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. We hope that this podcast blessed you. And we ask if it did, share that with the people that you love so that it can bless them as well. If you want to reach out to us, we are available on Facebook. We are under an open heaven. Our email address is under an open heaven.fire at gmail.com. And we are on Instagram at under an open heaven.fire. So Please go uh, give those a gander and send us any feedback that you want. We would be happy to reply to you. God bless. Bye.